0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. I'm here with my co-host, Don Graff. I'm Don. Don, how are you? Oh boy. Truly. Yes. I mean, I want to know. Of course. Of course you want to know.
1: I, I got a, a short story for you. I know okay. I'm just supposed to say fine and we move on. Yeah, but, yeah, you are. But yep. Just a couple <laughs> days ago I was at church and somebody said, Hey, that that little thing that you and John do, what, what's that called again? That that little thing? I go. The podcast? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah the podcast. Okay. He goes, because John is way too hard on you about the birds. Like, I'm going to convince him that he should love birds, too. And so now I have other people that But I haven't, on my side. I haven't
0: heard from this person, so oh, I don't know. Oh, he,
1: yeah.
0: Someone tagged us on Facebook. That there's some bird watching events there or is, something that's yeah. happening. It's a, you no, embarrassing. You can strengthen
1: your binocular skills, it says.
0: Oh, I am not looking this? forward to being old. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Don, I'm really glad. The birds are coming out now that spring. I know. So this exciting. Time this is a
1: very exciting time of year.
0: But uh, really, Don, I couldn't be more excited, more excited than you are about whatever you're talking about. In fact, <laughs> uh, when you told your wife, Kathy, who was your guest today, our guest today, mm-hmm. you said she was actually going to listen to she this She might. We'll Let's see. go. I this know. This is great. This is big time. But I'm excited because we have the owner of the Booze Bar in Knapp, Wisconsin with us today, Jeremy Freeland. Now, you mm-hmm. might be thinking... Wait a second. Did he just say owner of the booze bar in Knapp, Wisconsin, a church leadership podcast? That's right. Mm. We do. And if you've been around Eagle Brook at all in the last year, it is highly likely that you have heard the story of Jeremy and the booze bar. Now I'm going to let him tell the story of what God has done through him, which it's inspiring. But first, hi, Jeremy. We do want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi,
2: I'm Jeremy Freeland, uh, owner of the Booze Bar. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin in Baldwin, Baldwin Baldwin-Woodville, uh, school district is where I went to school and, and grew up there with, uh, my mom and dad, a brother, uh, and a little sister, um, graduated high school there, went to school, uh, to become a cop and became a sheriff's deputy at, uh, St. Croix County Sheriff's Department and, uh, and now I own a bar. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> Do you like watching birds? Uh, well, I'm trying to decide if Ooh. if if it's a fear thing with you, kind of like the salamanders in your basement, <laughs> or, and that's why you're picking on. All right, bird. now he's are yeah. making fun of me I' wow, being okay. afraid of little Jeremy, creatures. <laughs> oh, right.
0: I'm afraid of birds. That's true. <laughs> Jeremy, we we really are excited to have you, and let, let's get right down to it. We want to know what has God been doing through your leadership at the booze bar the last few years, assuming people haven't heard
2: this story. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, and obviously, all credit goes to God, but I got to give my wife a lot of credit because um, she guided me back uh, into faith, and um, and then God just tugged at my heart. And w- when the coronavirus hit, then it was, we were watching stuff at home. And it, as much as I love being with my family, obviously, it got very, very lonely um, not having all the people around us to worship together. And so that's what made me decide... You know, I think maybe we should show it at the bar. And so I asked my wife first about it. and She thought it was a great idea. And then uh, one of my best friends, I talked to him next, and he said, yep, I'm on board. So I said, I don't know. It might just be me, my family, and your family there watching it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but let's give it a try. So, When
0: did you first get connected to Eagle
2: Brook? Um, Oh, I suppose about five years ago. Yep. So my um, wife started taking my children there. Um, and got them hooked on it. I refused. And I said, <laughs> I'm not driving all the way to Woodbury to go to church. How far, literally tr- how far is that from Napo? 45 minutes okay. to an hour. Yep. Um, but there's a church in every little town around us. Yep. You know, five minutes from my house, there's yeah. a church. So yep. I said, why would I drive to Woodbury to go to church? That doesn't make sense. So, But one day we were in Woodbury school shopping for the kids. And um, I think it was all part of her master plan, but she uh she said, Well, we're here anyways. Why don't we just drive over and check it out? And of course the kids were excited. Yeah, let's just do it. So I said, Fine, all right. Let's just go over and do it. And boy, that was it. I think I cried the entire hour and change, and that was it. So And
0: yep. then fast fast forward to yep. oh a year and a half ago, and you know, the world's kind of shut down. You've decided, well, let's open up the booze bar and stream Eagle Brook Church services. I mean that that was the decision at that point.
2: Yep. Okay. Yep. I just said let's just do it and I talked to my bar manager who kind of takes care of the Facebook page and I said just throw it out there and let's just see what happens. So
1: crazy. So when you first opened it up, you're thinking this could just be a group of us and what what did happen that first night? I mean, how many came and Obviously, this gets traction, or we wouldn't be talking today. So talk to us about, like, how it started and how it just built from there.
2: Well, we just, uh, like I said, we threw it out there on our Facebook page. That's the only advertising we did for it. We just, and then we got, uh, figured out how to get it to play on our TV. and, And so then that first night comes around, and I was extremely nervous because at that point I'm like I don't number one I don't know if it's going to work number two is this going to put this title on my bar like oh we're not going to that bar they're holy rollers you know I didn't (laughs) I didn't know what to expect I really didn't so I just kind of went with it and uh, that first night I I think we had probably 25 people show up to it and I was like whoa this actually actually worked and um and it we had, you know, some technical issues as we were working through things, but it, it was an amazing night, and the fellowship was awesome, and so we just kept doing it week in and week out, and it just, I just kept watching it grow and grow, and it was amazing, so, yep.
0: Now, are people eating food, drinking beer? I mean, what's happening, mm-hmm. like, in the bar while you're Good. watching church? I want to know. I haven't been there yet. Don has been there. Mm-hmm. I have not been there. So talk to me about what that night looks like on Monday nights.
2: Um, we start the night at six o'clock with the freewheel will donation uh, dinner that we have on our steam table. There, the bar is technically closed on oh, Monday. Got night. it. So, got it. So it's just the just the church. Um, we do not serve any alcohol. <laughs> uh, that was a debate among some, and I said, <laughs> yes. no, no, I don't think that's that's appropriate. So I don't think we're going to do that. But um, so they come in, um, they can eat if they choose to, and and visit a little bit for that half hour before we start the service. Um, and then now I will generally get up there and say a few words and then um usually uh do a prayer and then we just hit play and we follow the instructions you know the leadership team gets up there and says everybody stand and we all stand and yeah. and we just we sing and it's it's amazing and arms are in the air and it's 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 not like being at Eagle Brook but it's a different experience that is just as great yeah if you will that's right so. yeah
1: I did have the chance to to come the time that Jason came and shot a video that I would hope everybody could see this video of what actually happens at a booze bar Monday night, and the room was full, and when Jason walked in, of course, everybody oohed and aahed, here comes <laughs> yeah. Jason, which was kind of fun, and there's actually a little guy, I mean, I want to say nine, ten years old, that has kind of been watching Jason from afar, and uh, all but melted when, when Jason walked in, and that was kind of a cool moment that he had a young person that was following him closely, and that's the kind of impact you're having there. But but then, just like you talked about, you stepped up there, you said a few words, I think Jason even said a few words, and then we launched into it. And you guys turned the lights off, everybody stands, and people fully engaged in worship, I was choking back tears in the back of the room watching this thing unfold. I just assumed it was kind of maybe on the screens in the corner and people would kind of be eating you know, while they go through it. But that was not the experience at all. I mean, it was fully engaged and so powerful. Does that happen all the time? I mean, that was what was there. You just kind of described it that way. But but is it always that vibrant of an experience when you're there?
2: It is. It is. It's just something... I've never experienced it. And it just it moves my heart every single week. It it moves my heart. And that that time when Jason was there, especially because for whatever reason we started having Wi-Fi issues. Yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> in the middle of songs, all of a sudden the sound would just cut out. Yeah. And, um the people there would just continue to sing these yeah. songs, even though the, the music wasn't playing anymore. And it just I'm like holy moly, this is something. I mean, everybody is, like you said, they're very engaged. You wouldn't know you're in a bar at that point. The bar is just in the background. You don't even realize that's where you're at. You're just with God. Yeah.
0: Jason came back saying it was a top five ministry moment in his whole life Mm. for him. I mean, just so powerful and moving and so surprised, he said, uh, just how people did engage. Like in some ways, I think he went in expecting like people would sit there and watch it and take it in like you're sitting on your couch. You, know, you don't necessarily stand and sing when you're, you know, on your couch watching online church and but to see people engage in that level, um, again, I yeah, just just powerful from everything I've heard.
1: And Absolutely. And that, that's how I felt too. He actually said those words to me right when we walked out of the bar onto that little step down. He said that was one of the coolest things I've experienced. <laughs> I mean, and we Lost. were just yeah you know buzzing all the way well i guess you can't say that after the bar yeah, we, can't were. Say
0: <laughs> so we were we we'll have to edit that Editing just that kidding. we it. were so excited <laughs> <laughs> the whole way home and
1: i remember one of the conversations we actually had this was in the car on the way back saying you know we talk about how we want to be a, how we want to be a church of the midwest that is the midwest like what we experienced at nap and that's happening all throughout the midwest And even just to talk about, I think what we experienced there was a catalytic moment for our church, where it has now allowed everybody to think, maybe I could do this. And we are starting to see viewing groups. I actually just got this note from Jeff Dodge, who works with these, that we have viewing groups in movie theaters, hotels, schools, wineries, bars, office buildings, churches, libraries, houses, senior centers, apartments, clubhouses, and on a sunny poolside patio. (laughs) And so I actually think you initiated this in some way. There was some of this going on before you did it. Uh, but now we've really started a movement of people able to just get a screen, get a room, and find a way that they can engage in the Eagle Brook experience and people are experiencing that all over. Anything you want to say about kind of being a pioneer or even launching that in a, in a way that has been contagious to others?
2: I, I think it's great. I don't. I guess I just don't really feel that way. I just feel like God pulled in my heartstrings to do something, I just did it and and He's leading the way and, and leading others to do the same thing so i't uh, I don't look at it that way, and I think yeah. probably because my wife prays all the time to keep my head small and it's uh-huh. working so. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but uh yeah it's I, when I hear about it 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 really makes my heart happy to, to yeah. hear all these other ones. I, I'm a little jealous of the poolside sunny. Uh,
1: I know. We <laughs> yeah. We've seen pictures too, yeah. Mesa, Arizona, yeah, Fort whatever. Myers. They're yeah. happening all over the place. If you were to speak to someone who's kind of maybe listening and I could do this. I could do this in a conference room or at a cafe. What would you say to a person to kind of nudge them to make the bold step? You did.
2: Just do it. <laughs> That's all I can really say. Just you got to just got to have – uh, that that trust in God, this last message from this this past weekend really spoke to it. it I was moved so much by this last message. Um, I even went up front afterwards uh, for prayer and stuff because you know this transition that we're mm-hmm. making uh, to the church building that we purchased and stuff. and I've been trying to control it so much and and wanting it to go just so perfect and and I at some point I kind of turned around and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, where did God go in this? You know, I'm trying to do this on my own and, and I gotta stop. And so so that this I can't even tell you how much this message this past weekend from Jason was needed by me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do viewing groups. I mean, you said this, Jeremy, but just to kind of emphasize it, it needs to be a willing spirit more than anything. Someone who just, if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm not sure I can do this, but I'm feeling God kind of tug at me that I should open up my home, a space I know in the city that that we live. Well, really what you need is ultimately a willing spirit, an obedient spirit to God's nudging. And then you need, I mean, from a technical standpoint, you need a place that has a screen and Wi-Fi, although we do provide an option to download the service prior. So it's like on whatever device you're showing it from, invite people and show it. Yeah, And the rest is, again, I mean, 99% of this is a willing spirit, really, is what it comes down to hosting a viewing group. And we've seen this time and time again from people who've had the courage to start something that when they do, people show up. Now, it might be six people. It might be 10. It might be 50. Some of these places have turned into churches, and we're going to get to that with your story a little bit, yeah. full-on mm-hmm. independent churches. But again, it starts with that willing spirit more than anything. I mean, the rest is fairly, I mean, we're not technically, you know, profi- I mean, I wouldn't say, Jeremy, you're probably technically like proficient, yeah, you know, yeah, savvy. Right. I mean, you're not super, <laughs> either are we, by the way. No, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot. Mm-hmm. It just takes ultimately that willing spirit. So. Yeah. No,
1: I, I'd agree with that. And I think some people might even be concerned. Am I, uh, worthy of leading a group like this. Maybe you've battled some of that too. Like, what if somebody asked me a question? Am I going to be seen as a spiritual champion that I'm not? I mean, I'm still figuring this out. Uh, anything you'd say to somebody that's like, I don't even know that I'm worthy to do this.
2: I, I have felt that way through this whole thing. And that's that's one of my most common prayers is, God, why are you, why are you asking me to do this? Yeah. I have no clue what I'm doing. Right. My, one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to get up there before and, give my little spiel that I that I give and it's not gonna be right. And so I will tell people all the time, if I say something that you don't think matches with what the Bible tells us, please let me know because I make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to do that. I want to make sure everything that that I'm saying comes from from God, you know, and, and I don't wanna lead people the wrong direction. So that is a fear of mine and and again it all comes down to just trusting God and and trusting the people around you, you know, yeah. um, find other people that will support you and love you and, and guide you. So Yeah,
1: that's good. Maybe we should shift over to you mentioned buying a church. That sounds pretty crazy for the bartender <laughs> to be now buying a church. Uh, before we just leave this concept of viewing groups, if there is somebody considering that, let us know. That's really the first step. And then you would fill out an application and you'd connect with a pastor so that we know we're on the same page but then we'd work with you to get that going. So if anyone is out there just to give that nudge, this might be the nudge you need. Yeah, you can actually
0: go to eagerbergchurch.com slash viewing dash groups. And you'll find everything that you need to know about finding a viewing group and hosting a viewing group. And we'll be in touch from there.
1: Yeah, we'll walk you through it from there. But you mentioned the church. Say a little bit more about uh, your uh, pursuit of a new church and possibly moving over. And how's, how's that working out? Yeah, I kind of jumped ahead on you
2: guys a little bit. No, that. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of excited about it. But, um, but it, yeah, what, what's been happening at, uh, at Boo's Bar has been so great. And, and to be honest with you, I could just continue doing that forever because it moves my heart and it's wonderful. But I just felt like God was just pulling on my heart, like there's more, there's more. And I didn't even understand. I talked to my wife about it. I, said, I don't know what more we can do, but God is doing something. And within that same week we found out that um, the Baptist church in our town was closing their doors because people just did not come back after COVID, and they just they just couldn't keep going, unfortunately. So um, at that point, I knew, I thought, all right, this is, this is what you want me to do, God, so we need to um, move in a little different direction. So, so with the help of Eagle Brook, actually, we did some negotiating with the current um, owners and we were ended up coming coming to a deal, and so we are in there renovating that building now, which is going to be great. We can have uh, traditional Sunday services, which I think will draw more people to Christ, and because um, Mondays can be kind of hard for some people and stuff. So I just think this gives us more opportunities and more um, time to be able to to do that work of of bringing people to Christ.
0: Amazing! What's the name? Forgiven Church. When do you plan on opening? <laughs>
2: Oh, I don't know yet. We wanted... (laughs) Our our ultimate goal was to open for Easter, and it's just... It's not going to happen. We have so much work. Once we got in there, the electrical is all super, super old, Um, so we have to replace pretty much all the electrical through the whole building. When you're talking about an old building like that, it means punching holes in walls and ceilings to run wires and pull wires, and so it's not going to happen, and I don't have an an exact date yet, but it'll be flashed everywhere once we do get to that point, but uh, hopefully... Shortly after Easter, though, yeah, so we're, we are making progress. It's just slow going because we all have other jobs too, and so we get in there whenever we can. But it's we can't just spend all day there either. So
0: yeah, absolutely. And and there's a story of provision in this. I mean, you didn't just necessarily have this pile of money sitting around. I mean, how did God come through to purchase this building now, renovate? It? Like, how are you financing this new church? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that was one of those things where I had no idea how that was going to happen. I didn't. Um, and I just started working, working on um, coming to an agreement to buy the church without really knowing where the money was coming from. Uh, talk about just letting God, <laughs> trusting yeah, God on yes. like that one. That's a I move of no faith. Yeah. like, we'll figure it out one way or the other. But, wow. um, and then a, uh, we thought we had something lined up, and that kind of fell through. And then I started to panic a little bit. That's when I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people because I've already announced to people that I'm planning to do this, and I don't know how I'm going to do it now. And then out of nowhere, this gentleman shows up at the booze bar, and he says, I want to talk to you about your church. You want? Can we sit down sometime? I'm like, oh, sure. I just figured he wanted to attend or, or whatnot. And so I met him one night for, for supper, and we talked a little bit. And he asked me some questions like a typical person that was interested in coming to church would ask. And then he just kind of dropped the bomb at me. He said, God has been speaking to me, and he, he thinks that I need to be involved in what you're doing here. And I would love to finance the church if you're in need of that. And he said, and beyond that, God has also instructed me to pay the first two years mortgage on it for you. So you won't have a mortgage or anything for the first two years. And so just, yeah, I just, I cried again. I do a lot of crying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was, it was absolutely, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, so that's where we are with that. And then, you know, beyond that, it's been a lot of, um, We had a lot of remodeling we got to do, so we need money for that. And again, it was, I don't know how we're going to come up with this. We may just have to move in and just do with what we have for the time being. And then we had uh, a wonderful couple from the Hudson area that came down and met with us one night and had supper with us. And they said, you know, we came here with the intention of donating to you guys. And they slid a check across the table to me for $10,000. Wow! And they said, and after meeting with you, we realized that that's not enough. And they slid another check across the table for another $10,000. No and so in one night, our bank account went from zero and not knowing what to do to $20,000. And we can get mm-hmm. some new carpeting and work on the electrical. And it was absolutely amazing. So <laughs> I, I, I keep saying amazing, but it yeah. is. I can't, yeah. I can't think of any other word to describe uh, our God and how he works in these things. It's just, Amazing! Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have full body faith chills. I didn't yes. know
0: many of that, no. much of that story. Yeah, and to hear that, um, this I want to got so many questions. Who was this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Where did he come from? Um, have you seen him since? Was he a real person or was he an angel? Yeah, right. you know? <laughs> well, no. I,
2: he may be an angel on earth, and I have seen him since. We actually did a. Um, a worship night at the church. It was the first event we've ever had at the church. It's under construction. It Mm -hmm. looks rough. Mm -hmm. But we said, you know what? We set up chairs, come in anyways, let's worship. And Mm -hmm. um, we had a group from Eagle that attends Eagle Brook, actually, that did this worship night. And they came in and set up a screen and projectors and music. And we sang and we worshiped. And this gentleman and his wife, Came again that night, and we had a donation box set up for the renovations and and whatnot. And then at the end of the night, when we went through that, there was another check from this gentleman for another ten thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, it's, just, my yeah, goodness. It's, just, it's unbelievable. And I don't. Um, I talked to Tom yep. here at the church about it actually on Saturday when I was here, and I said I feel guilty. I I don't know how I accept more from from this gentleman. He's done so much for us already, and I and I know he's doing it. You know, because he feels called by God, but I feel guilty. Like, you've done so much. How can I expect more? Because he also is now asked to um, help with the landscaping around the building and he just wants to really help us. And it's, and Tom just said people that are blessed financially or whatnot, that this is their way of investing in the kingdom oh, of God, if you will, Jeremy, I mean, yes. and that, that made me feel a little bit better. But it's hard when somebody is throwing that kind of money at you. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm not used yes. to you know, that yes. happening, so it's yep. hard to accept that. You yep. know?
0: But it's also but. a gift to them. Right. That's why you have yeah. to see it. It's a gift to them to be able to do that. That's what they feel called to do. Yeah. People who are blessed that way. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, cool. amazing. With Holy it, cow! Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Very cool, Jeremy. Has what have you learned through this? And even a, if you have a leadership angle, that you've kind of learned about leadership, since leaders tend to listen to this little thing that we do. Um, <laughs> Any leadership lessons that you're picking up on? Of, Because those are big moves. I mean, first opening up a service at a bar, that's huge. Now you're going to buy a church. I mean, these are big leadership moves. Any lessons that you've been kind of thinking about as you go through it?
2: Well, I'm I'm working through all of that right now and, and kind of learning as I go. Um, the one big thing is at the bar, I am the owner of the bar. I am the boss. And so as we've been going through this, I make the decisions and, and things of that nature. And as we're transitioning over, we have a leadership team in place now. Um, and so it's, it's a little different. I don't get to make all of the decisions. Um, and I have to depend on my leadership team a little bit. And so there's some pushback in certain things. And, and what's the most important thing to spend money on here or, or there? And, and even though you know I have ideas in my head... Of what what I think it should be, other people don't always see the same way, and that mm-hmm. definitely creates some turmoil. Yeah, um, which is another reason why I said um, bringing God back into it is is so important because ultimately it's it's His timing and His
1: mm-hmm.
2: His wisdom that we need to lean on. So.
1: I'm sure there's not another senior pastor out there listening that can relate to having
0: <laughs> a difficult board. Discussions about what to spend money on. Yeah. I've never been a part of other such thing. Other people having
1: different ideas? I can't imagine anybody yes. relating to that, but <laughs> yes. it is amazing how you are learning what other senior pastors are actually uh, working through. And that idea of working collectively, if you've been working alone as a cowboy, you know, before— <laughs> And now you're working collectively with a group, man that's a big shift in leadership it and is yes. you're going to learn a lot and I guess you're learning a lot how to you know bring them on board how to cast vision for it and how to bring others onto the same page you are so yes big leadership lessons along the way
0: so, yeah just just to shift gears a little mm-hmm. bit jeremy um also what's been really impactful for me and our church is that we've shared um some of your life story too I mean beyond just simply leading the booze bar and hosting this viewing group and now planting a church. Um, God has done some things in your personal life too. So just first question, how has these last few years affected your family? Like what's been going on? And tell us a little bit about your family. Okay.
2: Um, I will say that it has affected not just my immediate family, but beyond that. And that is one of the greatest things that I've experienced through this, um, within my immediate family, uh, my wife and my children, um, my children were, they got on board right away through my wife. Um, like I had said earlier, um, but my one daughter, um, who we lost her mother to breast cancer has had significant struggles, um, with mental health and stuff after that. And so we had all gone up and gotten baptized, um, a a year ago, and she did not want to participate at that time. Um, And we've done a lot of praying and and been just church every week and, you know, doing everything we can to inspire her and to help her grow in her faith. And then this past winter, she came to us, sorry, with the decision that she was ready, and it was holy moly. I can't—I cried again. Imagine that. So— um, and, and she wanted to wait till forgiven opened because she wanted her dad to baptize her. Mm. And then, so then we went to Eagle Brook, and they, um, of course, they're always prepared. So they said, you don't have to wait. Your dad can come in the pool. Yeah. He can baptize you. So, so we did that, and she got baptized, and it was mm. great. And so, and she's standing in church, and she's singing, and I, you know, I can look down the row, and I just hear her belting out songs, and it's, something I had prayed so hard for. Mm -hmm. So to see that answer come through was nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. So, but, and then beyond that, um, growing up, you know, we went to church, a local Lutheran church to go, you know, get, you know, uh, drawing a blank, the confirmation, class, yeah, confirmation, confirmation thank yes, you, yes. Right? the confirmation, it's easy and, to forget no and offense. all that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but a lot of times even that was, you know, mom and dad would just drop us off at the church so we could go yeah. get this oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, we yeah. weren't committed um, to it. And so through all of this now, and mom and dad come to the bar for church and my brother and, and uh, his kids and wife come and, and just within the last couple of months, and I'll be standing in the back, Worshipping, and I will see my mom and my dad's mm. arms go in the air as they worship, and it just—I can't even tell you what it's done to our family. My dad came to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and he just said, I'm so proud of you. You have saved our family. Wow. And so it was—it's mm. pretty great. Yeah, yeah and Jeremy. Too, pretty great.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just to keep— um, Again, for those who maybe didn't see your story initially, I mean, uh, you you are experiencing some incredible blessing in these last few months, last couple years, but you've also experienced some tremendous suffering. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, some of your life journey and how God brought you even to this point personally?
2: Um, All right. Um, A lot of years ago, I had a high school sweetheart she was uh, an amazing, amazing girl, and we ended up getting married shortly after high school and having a little boy. And then one night, we were, and, and I, to be honest with you, I can't even tell you where we were going. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no recollection of it. Uh, my mom said that uh, I had called and had mentioned getting a Easter outfit for my son. It was just before Easter. And so I'm assuming that we were heading to Hudson to get an Easter outfit or whatnot. We were on a road that we never would have normally taken. I have no idea why we were there, but we were in a... Terrible car accident, um, and we were all helicoptered out to Regent's Hospital here in the cities, and um, my wife ended up passing away um, the day after the accident. My son and I were both in a coma. I was in a coma for two months, and he was in a coma for two and a half months. Um, so once I woke up from my coma, Mom and Dad were there and uh, had to tell me that, that my wife had passed, and they weren't sure if my son was going to make it yet at that point. So... Um, easily the worst day of my life right there so um but we continued on we moved on and at that time I didn't know I just did what I had to do because I needed to be there for my son um but even now looking back I know God was there and he was he was pushing me along like you got to keep going you're gonna be fine there's a plan here and there's a you know a path that I'm setting you on and and so we continue going and A couple years later, I met a a wonderful woman, even though at that time I still was not at all interested in moving on as far as my love life goes and stuff. But she just popped up out of nowhere and um, took my son in and loved him. And uh, it was really great. So um, me and her ended up, uh, we decided we were gonna have a, a baby together. And so she got pregnant and then during her pregnancy, and this is part of the story that I haven't told before, um, I was working for the city of Red Wing, uh, locating underground utilities for them and stuff, and there was an emergency call in the middle of the night. Somebody had hit a telephone pole or something. Middle of a blizzard. So I get up, I don't know, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I head for Red Wing because I got to go down there and locate. Um, and at, just as I'm going down this steep hill heading down into Hager City, a vehicle's coming up, and it loses control, spins out, hits me head on. Um, the gentleman in the other vehicle was highly intoxicated. He lost his life in the accident. I was taken um, by ambulance up to Regent's Hospital again and ended up having a severe neck injury, broken bone in my neck, and I had to have surgery on that. And, mm-hmm. um, and she's, you know, eight months pregnant mm-hmm. at this time and mm-hmm. came, you know, this close to losing the father of the baby, and so she's in a panic and but anyways, it all worked out. I survived, mm-hmm. and um, there was some uh, mental health stuff there that I had to deal with in, in that season of my life and over this gentleman's death and stuff, too. Um, but we made it through that. Um, again, God just pushed me along. <laughs> and uh, and then we found out that, that she would, after the baby was born, by the way, another part of the story. Sorry. Mm. Um, so... One day, she wasn't feeling very... She'd had a rough pregnancy anyways, and she wasn't... She had called me at work and said, I'm just... I'm not feeling good at all. And I said, you want me to come home? And she said, no, no, I'll be fine. I'm just, I'm just not feeling well. So I worked about another hour, and I'm like, I just, something don't feel right, so I'm just going to go home. So I took off, and I headed home, and I got home, and I found her passed out on the bathroom mm-hmm. floor, no mm-hmm. clothes on, just out. Mm-hmm. And so I got it. I probably should have called 911, but I was in a panic, and yeah. I just... I got her dressed as fast as I could, and I lifted her up, and I carried her out to the car, and I raced to the hospital and turns out she was having grand mal seizures. Um, So they helicoptered her out to the cities. And uh, my daughter was born um, within 24 hours from that point at Mm. two pounds, four ounces, Mm. just a a wee little thing. So Mm. she literally fit in the palm of my hand. Um, But she was another miracle in my life because she was on oxygen for you know, the first hour or so, and then she was off. And the nurses said, she's like a full grown baby in this little tiny body. There's nothing wrong with her. And Mm -hmm. so that was another, one of those Mm -hmm. great miracles. But, um, a handful of years after that, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and it went through quite a battle of four years of just chemos and surgeries. And, um, and then ultimately she did lose that battle. Um, and so then it's been, it's, it's been a mess with the kids because with my son, he was one when we lost his mom. And so she, Sarah, which was my second wife, was the only mom he'd ever known. And obviously my daughter, was, that was her best friend. They did everything together. Um, she liked her mom way more than she liked me. <laughs> so, so it's just a very difficult time. And, um, and again... I just put my healing on hold and I said, I got these two kids that need some kind of support that, and I, I don't have time to deal with my own yeah. issues right now. And so I just did that and we worked through that and therapies and, the, and stuff. And then that's when I think God finally said, all right, you need, you need help because you need to deal with yourself or you're going to, blow blow up. And, and he brought Paul into my life again completely unexpectedly. And I even pushed her away. I said, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this again. Mm-hmm. I'm not risking this again. And I, I like to call her a stalker. But <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she just kept coming and kept yeah. coming. And then eventually she's the one that introduced us to, to Eagle Brook. And that uh, first service that she finally convinced me to come to here mm-hmm. was... Like I, I've said before, I got more healing in that one-hour service mm-hmm. than I had had in the twenty years mm-hmm. prior to that, mm-hmm. and it was. And since then, it's just been a, a continued spiritual healing that I've had, and mm-hmm. the transformation in my life and in my family is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Jeremy, it's wow. it's a miracle. Wow! So multiple miracles. I mean, yeah, no. just miracles throughout. Yeah, you, um, you, just you know, even wow. with the hardships, you see the miracles in there. You see God's hand in there working for good like you, you hear um, you pastors say all the mm-hmm. time you know he's working for good in there and you see it even, even in some of this terrible stuff that, that's happened you see God working for good in those, in those circumstances mm-hmm. and, and sometimes when you're in the midst of it you don't mm-hmm. see it but you can look back and you realize that he's he's got you mm-hmm. so he's been he's chasing you you just gotta mm-hmm. stop and open your arms to him and it's
1: mm-hmm. so good well you've obviously been in a battle with God. I mean, distant from him and then, yes. you know, even wondering if he exists and had every reason to turn from him. And then you turn toward him and now he's working in you and through you and bartender becomes pastor <laughs> is a way that only God could do. Right? You know, that's that's such a God thing to do. The least expected you would, even in your story. And here he's Literally using your gifts as a pastor. Uh, Maybe one last comment and we'll bring it to an end here is anything you would say to somebody who's going through a time of brokenness or difficulty. You've had to uh, lean on your faith in those dark moments. If someone's listening that's going through a dark moment, anything, any encouragement you would have for them
2: that you've learned in your faith journey? And that's that's just what I would say is lean on lean on your faith, lean on God. And I wish that I would have done it sooner, yeah, because it would have saved me a, a lot of um, I shouldn't say heartache. You're going to have the heartache anyways, mm-hmm. but it would have, you know it's it's easier now with him in my corner, and and I can feel him embracing me when things get tough. And that faith is so important. I wish I would have had that earlier on. It would have helped me and my family, and my kids, if I could have shared that with them and and brought them along um, in their faith sooner than I did. So Mm -hmm. that's just what I would say is just lean on faith. Mm -hmm. Use church, if you will, as a place for healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't I, I guess I could, but I can't stand in my bar and ball. it just it doesn't work out so good, know, but at right. church, I can come here and I can open up my soul and I can let the tears flow for the entire hour if I want to, mm-hmm. and there's nobody judging mm-hmm. in fact, there's people giving hugs and patting yeah. on the back, and it's it's used that. that's the best therapy that I've been to therapists and and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, but that is the best therapy that I could mm. ever imagine. yeah, thank so, you, Jeremy. Thank yep.
1: you for your vulnerability. thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being one who leans on faith in the end, encouraging others to do it. And then even your example of stepping out, encouraged to open this whole idea up and now uh, buying a church and all that you're doing. It's, I'm inspired and I'm pretty sure people that
0: are listening are super inspired as well. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for your faith and uh, your leadership. But For everyone, hey, that's all we got for this episode of the Eagle Church Leadership Podcast. We just really believe that when leaders get better, the church gets better. And we know that um, I've certainly gotten better by uh, hearing Jeremy's story. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Church Leadership Podcast.